welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. We're in for a fantastic night, as I've already said. Uh, we've entitled tonight Rapid Fire, and I'm going to explain that. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with this church, Normally we would have someone come up here and minister the Word of God, and, and that is certainly going to happen tonight. But uh, I'm kind of reinventing our Sunday night meetings, and uh, we want to do a few different things. And so one of the things I felt God placed upon my heart was to do a particular meeting every six to eight weeks called Rapid Fire, where we could get three to four different people up here ministering a shorter period of time um, and uh, bringing what is on their heart. And I thought, what better way to start our Rapid Fire nights than utilizing some of our young people in the church who have been speaking and ministering and preaching in our youth groups over the last few weeks, particularly off the back end of camp. For those of you who are visiting this church and are unaware, our young people went away on a camp, a life-changing camp. Some 200 young people went away and they have come back changed. That was only three or four weeks ago. When was it? Three or four weeks ago? It doesn't really matter. Three weeks ago. And uh, they have come back changed. And I thought, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't mind some of that in my life, and I wouldn't mind some of that in our church's life. And so I thought, we can't all go away on camp, but we can bring camp back here. And so I thought it'd be fantastic if we got some of those that were away to come and share for seven minutes something that God has placed on their heart. That There is no theme tonight, but I'm believing that this is not just throw the kids a bone night. This is not one of those nights where we leave and say, ah, oh, wasn't that cute? This is a night where God's going to speak to us. This is a night where lives will be changed, I believe. And we've got to open up our heart to believe that we can receive from young people. Amen. And so we've created this opportunity. Come on. And so to explain what is going on up here tonight, um, you, you've, got to, you, you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to be young to even grasp this concept. This is what we call our amen corners, okay? <laughs> And so, so th these, are, these are an extra support to those that are going to be sharing tonight, okay? And so they're going to be up here smiling and cheering and encouraging. But we're not going to leave it all to them, okay? We want to actually be involved in encouraging our young men and young women that are going to be sharing the Word of God tonight. So we're going to have a whole heap of fun. We're going to get to hear God thoughts from our young people, and I believe our lives are going to be changed. I'm believing God is going to speak to me through what takes place tonight. I'm believing that I'm going to be a better person, have a better understanding and a greater passion for God as a result of what takes place tonight. Are you believing for that? Can you believe for that? <laughs> Now, let me explain to all those 40 and over, bring it means, you know, I have to explain all these, bring it. What does bring it mean exactly? Just come on. All right, there we go. It's fantastic. So, so that's, that's the format of the night, okay? So I just want you to sit back and relax. We've got four young people who really have not had any experience of platform ministry, but they do love God and they have heard from God. And I thought, what better opportunity than tonight to give them an opportunity to share. And so because it's new, they'll be a little bit nervous. And so we can do our best to help them do their best tonight. Okay, so 
I want you to encourage. I want you to applaud. I want you to cheer. I want you to encourage these ones as they share for the seven minutes they have on stage. Are you ready for our very first speaker of the night? As a young person who is not used to platform ministry, if I heard that kind of welcome, I'd be a little bit more nervous. That kind of welcome would make me even more nervous. So when I introduce this precious young person, I want you to go just a little bit more, get just a little bit more excited than that. And so would you please welcome to the platform tonight, kicking off our rapid fire, our very own Crystal Forrester. Come on. Go for it. Woohoo. All right. Thanks. Go for, for it, Crystal. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Okay. Well, what happened Friday night uh, for the taking place of all of this tonight is we had the opportunity to speak at our own youth group. So I spoke at our um, youth ministry at Rage, which is all those in years five to seven, which is completely awesome. Yeah. So I have the privilege of leading them. And we had the biggest loser night. So pretty much we got to play a game called Temptations Game. And as you do know, that is in the TV show. So I thought, what better um, Bible story to talk about than Jesus getting tempted? in the desert. So, all right, so this is all in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. So what has just taken place is Jesus had been baptised in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. He was then full of the Spirit and was Spirit-led into the desert. So this is all according to God's plan. Even though he was being tested, God had planned this for him. So, all right, so Jesus has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. This is when Satan or the attempter appeared to him and asked him, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. All right, so um, sorry, Satan is taking advantage of Jesus's physical needs. What's interesting in the human body is that hunger, why it's the most basic or primal instinct, is one of the strongest human drives in the human body. So Satan's seeing this and he's acting upon it. He's taking like a cheap shot. So he goes, he's literally saying, make this stone which you were needing to bread. So Satan is asking Jesus to fulfill a legitimate need in an illegitimate way, in a way that wasn't pleasing to God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So you could be like, what's the big, oh, my notes are flying. What's the big deal? Just make some bread, hey? But um, Jesus is realizing that this is Satan's ploy. He's like, no, I'm not going to use these powers for selfish desires. So Jesus responds with the word. He's using the Bible here. And he goes, for it is written that man does not survive on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus uses the Bible as an effective weapon by quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. This is when the Israelites were taken out of Egypt as slaves. The issue wasn't Jesus' hunger or if his power is great or sufficient enough. The issue was, can I trust God enough to be able to provide for me? So even though there was a need, it wasn't done ungodly. So that was the first temptation. Then Satan's like, right, let's try again. So Satan takes Jesus to the holy city, which is in Jerusalem. And they're standing on top of the highest point of the temple. And they're looking down at all the activities. So you can imagine all the like the chiefs and the priests and all the leaders running around doing their thing. And he's like, hey, Jesus, jump off. God will catch you. So he's literally saying to Jesus, from the highest point, he's like, jump off. And then he quotes the Bible from Psalms and says, you will not strike your foot against stone. He's saying, God's going to catch you. He plays this, he's quoting the Bible, he plays a scripture game. So this is where 
Satan says, God will catch you. He's like, you know what? Hey, Jesus, God's going to save you. So this is where he's trying to get Jesus to force or manipulate God to do something our way, So which was the second temptation. I think we do this as humans all the time. I use this analogy at youth where we're studying for a test at school and we haven't studied hard enough and you literally pray right before the test. You're like, dear Jesus, if you love me, can you let me pass? Can, can I do well in this? I don't want mum or dad to be angry at me. They're scary when they're angry. So this is how we are manipulating God in an everyday situation. <laughs> yeah, it's wrong. We don't like that. <laughs> if you don't do the hard yards, God's not going to reward those that aren't faithful with the hard works, hey? So... <laughs> So we're literally praying or we're trying to manipulate and force God's hand into what we want to do. But see, we live our lives according to God's plan, not our plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for, um, for I have the plans for you, declares the Lord. They're God's plans. We don't come up with the plans for our life and then say, hey, Jesus, back this up and support me in this. We've got to do it his way. We've got to cooperate with him. So this is where Jesus replies and responds to Satan and says, It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test, which is in Deuteronomy 6.16. He goes, even though Satan used the Bible passages, our job as believers to distinguish and determine the difference for the correct time and place for each passage. So Jesus wasn't going to force God into do something Jesus' way. That was the second temptation. All right. We can do this. All right. Thanks. All right, the third temptation. So Satan tries for the last time, and he he tries to tempt Jesus with his soul mission on earth. He takes him and he shows all the kingdoms on the earth and all the glory, and he offers it to him. He goes, if you only bow down and worship me, I will give you all of this. So essentially saying is, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to be whipped, beaten, have the nails in your hands, wear the crown of thorns. You don't have to die for them. All you have to do is just worship me for one moment. So he's trying, to, he's trying to get Jesus to pursue the right thing, the God thing, but in the wrong way. So Jesus' purpose here on earth was to reclaim all authority over earthly claims. And Satan had asked Jesus to temporarily take his eye off God for just a moment. But see, the moment you take a shortcut or a compromise, it's a moment that you lose confidence in God. You will never accomplish the will of God by abandoning his principles. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> So this is where Jesus responds and he says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God only and serve him only. So Satan tried to draw Jesus away from God's will to stain and corrupt Jesus' perfect path to obedience. But see, Jesus couldn't lead a a life full of sin. He had to live a sinless life. Otherwise, he couldn't save you and I. And that's why this temptation was so critical very early in his ministry. So I thought, even though we've learned all about this temptation, we better learn how to overcome it. Hey, so... This is where Jesus' response is pretty critical. So he's responding with the word, which number one means we have to read God's word daily. We have to feel ourselves. Secondly, we have to meditate, pray, and ponder over it. We have to let it meditate and like simmer within us, let it marinate over. Thirdly, we have to make it active in our lives. What's the point of knowing scripture if we're not using it? It's just waste of information. Fourth, we have to memorize it. Jesus knew these scriptures off by heart. If you're in a situation, you need to respond quickly and actively. You need to know the Bible. Like, you need to know it. You need to memorize it. And lastly, you need to pray for help and understanding. We can't do things in our own strength. We need to do it in God's strength. I'll leave you on this note. Temptation tests your trust in God, and He gives us battles to develop our faith and strengthen our spirit. Thanks. (laughs) 
Wow, isn't that awesome? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Your Christian pipe, I mean. Oh, that was awesome. I told you to be blessed. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Who would have thought with all these lights and smoke and loud music, who would have thought that in the midst of all this, people are getting the Word of God, changing their lives, and they can stand up here and deliver a word like that. Crystal, that was phenomenal. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. You know, when someone does, you know, when someone bombs, it's really easy to follow them because, you know, there's no pressure on. But when someone does as well as Crystal did, it's always a little bit more pressure. If we think about it the way the world thinks about things. There is no winner and there is no loser here. We've got different people in different walks and stages of life bringing their God thought. And so the next person who shares... Whatever comes out of her mouth, I want you to encourage her just as much as we have with Crystal and be blessed by her message just as much as we were with Crystal's. And so would you please put together for my niece, Ashari Rainbow. Come on. Come on, Ashari. You can do this. You can do this. You're awesome. Go for it, Ashari. Come on. Woo! Woo! Oh. Okay. Well, I, I also had the awesome privilege of speaking at Youth on Friday night, but I'm going to go down a little bit of a different tack to Crystal and actually just share a bit about me and my story and my life growing up in church and as a pastor's kid and all those types of things. So... I've grown up in a like, strong Christian family my whole life. Like, I've gone to church like every day, like, well, not every day, every Sunday since before I was born. My parents have um, been pastors. I've grown up in a Christian household and all those things. I've had Bible stories, which I've known since like, forever. Like, it's all been instilled in me and it's been a part of me. Um, if anyone's ever wondered what the children's ministry was like 17 years ago, it was literally me. <laughs> Until, like, my third birthday, I, like, had family only at birthday parties because there was, like, no friends <laughs> to invite. <laughs> and then after that, like, I think I scared them all away again by, like, spitting all over my, like, Teletubby donut cake, but whatever. <laughs> um, and growing up in a church family and things, I got um, to do a lot of things which a lot of people wouldn't been, have the priv- privilege to do and things like that. I was doing administration stuff and I was organising rosters at the age of 10 and doing all these types of things, which I'm like, who trusts a 10-year-old, like, overseeing a team of 10-year-olds? Like, I was writing out procedure lists and doing, um, like, writing out all the developmental stages of each of the different, like, kids' ministry rooms and what they needed and all those types of things, which is crazy, but hey. <laughs> um, and, like, helping out with administration and stuff I've done since I was, like, 12, but that's actually, like, led to me actually just serving faithfully and just um, giving everything, and then that's actually landed me in a role as receptionist at this church, which is a full-time job and just, yeah. But as you can see, I've grown up believing in God. I've grown up in a Christian home. I've grown up knowing all the stories, knowing what God does and knowing what, who God is and knowing I've seen miracles happen. I've seen them since before I can, like, 
my first memories are in church, people um, just being broken down, walls being changed, their lives being changed because of things God can do. But I got to a point where it had to become personal. I came to a point where I had to, it had to be more than just a secondhand um, relationship. It had to be a firsthand relationship with the living God. And I had to actually get past myself and actually go, no, this isn't my parents' thing that I'm just taking on. It wasn't a secondhand belief system. It was actually, no, this is a personal relationship that I'm going to take on for myself. It was actually on a youth night, which ironically I didn't even want to go to. I was in the car one night, I remember. We were supposed to be going to Macca's to like um, just have fun, just a social night and whatever. We ended up, it was actually Drew who changed it, and we ended up combining with Tribe, and we were doing like a ministry of sound night, so it was just a youth service and whatever. And as, as smart 11-year-old I was, I'm like, I'm not going. I'm like, sitting in the car, mum and dad are driving me to church. I'm like, I'm not getting out of this car. I am not going. They're like, "Uh, yes, you are. (laughs) But like crying, screaming, dad literally picked me up out of the car. I put my seatbelt back on, but he still got me out of the car, dropped me at the door, um, ran, like literally ran back to the car, then drove off down the hill. And just left me there. I, I remember calling mum back up and going, I'm like, mum, she's like, yes, Ashari. I'm like, I don't feel well. Can you come pick me up? And then she just hung up on me and sort of left me there. <laughs> um, but um, that night was actually the night, like, the devil gets at you. When there's breakthrough coming, the devil will put things in your world. Like, it, it wasn't usual for me not to want to go to youth. Like, I was the, literally, like, the only girl in my grade there. So I had to be there if anyone knew came because otherwise there'd be no girls and they'd be stuck with the guys up there. Um, but, and, yeah, so the devil gets on your back. But I, thankfully, my parents were, like, strong enough and new enough to actually hold their line as well and actually push me to go even when I didn't want to go. Because it was in that moment, that night, like, after I had sorted myself out and run off to the bathrooms, everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, and just sort of ran the other way. But that's all right. Um, But after the night happened, we'd had worship, we'd had preaching, all those type of things. There was an altar call at the end of the night. And I remember... Well, actually, I didn't even hear what the altar call was about. I, I sort of ran up there, like, thinking we are going back into worship. So I was sort of like, I literally was, like, running up, like, all excited. I'm like, guys, are you coming down? And they're all, like, looking at me, like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I went up again, and um, then, like, Mick came over to pray for me. And he's like, okay, so what do you want prayer for? And I'm like, hang on a minute, prayer? I didn't know about prayer. <laughs> I'm like, um, this wasn't what I was coming up for. Um, and because I'd been, like, I'd put all these expectations of what a pastor's kid could be um, had built up on me as well. So there were all these expectations of you can't have problems. You have to, it, well, you can have problems, but you just can't tell people about them. You can't show them um, to other people. You can't actually be vulnerable. And I, had, I built all these walls up around myself. Um, but God broke in that night, and as I worshipped and as people prayed for me and actually went, no, you are, not, you are going to be known for Ashari. You're not going to be known as Peter's daughter, um, Tony's niece. You're going to be known for Ashari. And as I worshipped and pressed into God that night, all those walls broke down. As I let God in, as I like, came to know him, it, was, it seriously was like a personal relationship. I'm like, actually, God, I want to know you. I don't want to know about you. I want to know you. I want to know what you can do in my life. 
And yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't about just some way of living. It was, wasn't some like moral code of conduct to, that I had to live by these rules to follow. It really was about actually going, no, God has put like a calling on my life. There is something um, which he's called for me or for that only I can do. He's purposed me and I'm going to actually walk into that and step up and actually just go ahead in my own right with these people backing me. And so, yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I just want to leave you with the fact that like, God is actively pursuing you. He wants to have a personal relationship with each and every one of you, regardless of whether you have been brought up in a strong Christian household or whether you've never even heard of this God concept before. Um, he is like, but you, he won't, he will try and reveal himself to you, but he's not going to push doors. He's not going to break down doors that you're not willing to crack open. You've got to actually let down, let down your guard just that little bit to actually just go, God, if you're real, show me. You've got to actually let him prove himself to you. And yeah, prioritizing things like um, church and for me it was youth is actually there's going to be breakthroughs that come when you actually put those things first. When you prioritize that over things which your friends may not understand why you can't come to that party or um, your work may not understand why you can't work that day even though it is double pay or whatever. You've got to actually prioritize these things because there's lifelong, there's eternal effects of prioritizing these meetings as opposed to just earthly and worldly um, things like that. So... Well done, Ashari. Let's put our hands together for Ashari. Or has she's better known, Shazza? Isn't that amazing? What a, what a privilege it is for me to be able to sit up here tonight and, and uh, see young Ashari do what she's just done. What you need to know about Ashari is she was quite literally the world's worst baby. You know when some people say of children, they say, man, they just do not stop crying. You know that? What they mean is they cry a lot. When we said that about Ashari, we literally meant she did not stop crying. No one liked babysitting Ashari. She was the world's worst child. Donna, am I right? Anyone who was around at that time knows I'm not exaggerating. It's kind of like uh, when Pete and Sally wanted to go out for a date, which I would encourage any married couple to do, that was fine, but we all fled. <laughs> we dreaded the phone call. And so when, the show, when Sally would ring and say, Hi, is Kath there? <laughs> Kath's like... <laughs> but to think that she's come through all of that and she works, as she said, at the church now, uh, full-time and uh, just loves God and loves being part of the church... It's just phenomenal. It's just, it's just great to think that there are pastors' kids out there that are growing up loving Jesus, which is fantastic. So Shazza, wherever you are, well done. That was amazing. One more time. I probably should add to the story, one thing that doesn't help when you are babysitting a shari is throwing her head into a light like Aunty Kath did. Kath was doing the, you know, that kind of throwing it up and down. <laughs> Smash, blood. But the thing is, she was crying before, she was crying during, she was crying up. Didn't really make any difference. And uh, we're hoping for the last bit of glass to come out of her head in the next year or so. So, anyway, 
Awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, we, we, have, we have another young lady, and uh, this is the youngest member of our panel tonight. She's 15. She's my oldest daughter. Her name is Jordan. Let's welcome Geordie to the stage. Come on, Jordy. Let's go, Jordy. Woohoo! Woo! Come on. Woohoo! Okay, so tonight, my message for those of you who are like me, who like a title at the top of their page, um, is there's no place like home. See, um, as a young girl, I, my favourite thing to watch wasn't the Wiggles or High Five. It was The Wizard of Oz. I watched this over and over and over again, like for two years straight, every day. And you can ask Fiona or Mush, there was none of this whole three-week outfit rotation. Every Sunday, it was the blue and white check dress with the long plaited piggy tails. And it gets worse. I used to carry around a basket with, with a stuffed dog in it. <laughs> and yes, it was named Toto. Um, but for those of you who don't know the storyline of Wizard of Oz, um, it's about a young girl called Dorothy who um, lives in Kansas, and one day she is swept up by a tornado. She is taken to a, I guess you could say, magical land um, called Oz. Um, she has like crazy adventures there, like meets like lions, scarecrows, tin men, um, goes to the Emerald City, and even destroys a witch. Um, but like after this, she decides she's ready to go home. So um, she misses her ride with like the hot air balloon. And, um, but the good witch Glinda comes and says that the ruby slippers she's been wearing this whole time can actually grant her to get back home. Um, and all she has to do is click the heels three times and repeat, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Dorothy then wakes up, learning that it was only a dream. She wakes up surrounded by her family and friends. However, this dream taught her a valuable lesson, that it's important to value your home and her family. This is an important lesson, not just for Dorothy, but for all of us. For example, we have an amazing church filled with, like, amazing leaders. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, nights like tonight just don't happen. We have leaders here that are here way before you guys. We have, like, a worship team who was here at, like, 4.30 just to make sure what you hear tonight was up to a good standard. Yeah. Nights like this need planning and organisation throughout the week done by leaders at this church who are willing to put in that time. Yeah. And a lot of the time, they're just volunteering. My concern is, however, that we don't always appreciate them enough. We can take them for granted, and we can treat these leaders like they aren't M's in our life. And like this church, our youth group, even connect groups, like they're the Kansas. Dorothy had a great family and home, but it wasn't until it was gone that she realized this. She wanted something more, a place full of excitement, lots of fun, 
no accountability, a place called Oz. It had a yellow brick road, emerald cities, and flying monkeys and everything. (laughs) But as exciting as that would be, something Oz can't provide is love, care, support, and a sense of belonging. There, there are many exciting things to do in life, like concerts, sports, Youth Alive Rally, which we've got coming up, guest speakers. These are all good things, but none of them are praying for you, caring for you, sowing their time into you like our leaders do. Like your bosses or sports like coaches, they don't fast for you to make sure you'll be there. Um, <laughs> So my conclusion is we need to appreciate our leaders. We should never take them for granted for all the things we do. And I just want to say a big thank you from like all the church, our youth groups, to like Mick and Katie who are running the youth at the moment, to like mum and dad and all those other people who are leading this church and putting in the time they need to, like um, Benno and Elise for overseeing the um, music. Um, and just coming here early almost every week before everyone else is getting up earlier they're here when most of us are still in bed. Yeah. And for Donna and Ben, who like run the cafe, yeah. and that put their time into that. Yeah. Um, every, everything you leaders do are appreciated by all of us, and I just want to say thank you. That was great, guys. Let's give her a standing ovation. Come on. What a great message. We all need to be reminded of that very often. Thank you, Jordy. Now I have the great pleasure, the greatest of pleasures. It's not very, it's, thanks guys. It's very loud up here. Um, it's not very often that you get to stand on a podium in front of so many people and just get to honor one of your best friends. And I just want to say, this guy coming up next is one of my best friends. He's a great guy. He's a committed leader. He's a motivating and inspiring person. This guy has been a Christian half as long as I've been, and he's teaching me things. This guy is great. He works with our year eight. He works harder than anyone I know with those guys. He's just incredible. So I just want to say, without further ado, this next man coming out, is my great friend and it's my great privilege to welcome my man, Ralph Rafael Fernandez to the stage. Yes, give it up. Come on. How we going? How we going? How we going? Sweet, sweet. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, two things that I want to address before I begin. Uh, the first is, apparently I look like an Asian Judah Smith at the moment. So if you want to preach back to me, that's great. And if you want to call me Judah, that'll be even better. Um, uh, secondly, uh, Drew over here pointed out something with my shirt. And I just want to say these are actually eucalyptus leaves, not any other type of plants or leaf. So... Moving on, 
I want to speak to you guys about something that's been on my heart for a while, and that's uh, how to step out of our spiritually restrictive comfort zones. And basically, we come out of camp, or we come out of conference, or we come out of Sunday church, and we get revelation and breakthrough, but we still struggle with one thing, and that's stepping out of those comfort zones. And um, I just want to uh, address a point a bit later from the Bible of how we can do that. But basically, those comfort zones don't belong in our lives. They restrict us like a prison inside of walls of familiarity. And we become familiar with the Word of God. And we become familiar with how we can grow in God's Word. And... And that's something that I only uh, figured out recently. That's something I got from camp. That was my revelation from camp because I was asked to lead the prayer meeting on the Saturday night of camp, the night of nights for camp. And I was asked to lead a prayer meeting in front of 200 hungry youth kids. Not literally hungry. We fed them well. Hungry for Jesus. Um, But... Um, the enemy was getting at me, giving me all these different uh, times in my life where I've tried to perform in front of public uh, crowds and failed. And I just remember um, coming out 45 minutes before the prayer meeting and a piece of scripture popped into my mind. It was from uh, Joshua 1 and it says the words, be strong and courageous about three times in three separate verses. And basically, I held that to my heart, um, and I got up there. I think I did pretty good. I think I smashed it, but that's not the moral of the story. That's not the moral of the story. <laughs> the moral, yeah, it is a good point. The moral of the story is that if I didn't step out of that comfort zone, I wouldn't be here at the moment preaching the word to you guys. I wouldn't be able to go to my unsaved family and talk to them about Jesus. I wouldn't be able to go to my unsaved friends and talk to them about the word of God. Because basically, if we don't step out of our spiritually restrictive comfort zones, we become stagnant and familiar with the word of Jesus. We become stagnant and familiar with our growth in God. And we become stagnant and familiar and get constricted inside of these prison walls that restrict us from growing in God. But how do we get to that benefit? How do we actually uh, physically step out of those comfort zones? And um, I'm going to use a story from uh, Matthew 14. Can everybody say Matthew? Matthew. I've always wanted to do that. So we're going to look at Matthew 14. First, uh, and I'm not, I don't have time to read it out today, but basically Jesus is standing on the water and asking his disciples to come towards him. In, in fact, he asked Peter to come towards him. And I could just imagine Peter's thoughts at that time. Just, I could just imagine him thinking, you've asked me to do what? You said, what? I can't do that. You're the son of God. That's why you can do that. I can't physically do that. And he, uh, he unwillingly stepped out, stepped onto the water and started walking towards Jesus. But then the waves picked up. Then uh, discouragement came over and we see him falling beneath the waves. And th- the exact same thing happens to us when uh, we get asked to do something new or talk to someone new or do something new in ministry. We say, you said, what? You've asked me to do what? You asked me to go into the welcome lounge? Uh, you've asked me to do What? <laughs> And basically, basically, we struggle with keeping our eyes on Jesus. So if I could give you one point for my message tonight, it would be to step out and grow in faith, to step out and leave the prison walls of your comfort zone behind. It would be to keep your eyes on Jesus for the entire time. So... 
So if I could leave you with one thing, it would be, are you going to be like Peter and half-heartedly step out of your comfort zone only for the enemy to come at you and drag you beneath the waves of despair and discouragement? Or are you going to keep your eyes on Jesus for the entire time of your life and do the impossible in your life? Thank you. Wow. I was, not, I was not ready for that. I just, I just wanted more. That was amazing. Please take your seat. Stay there. You know, the, the, the Bible's full of imagery. And some of it I don't understand. Some of it, not even Pastor Paul understands. But there are some things that are right before our very eyes that if we blink, we're going to miss it. We've been blessed tonight. I'm sure you would agree. We have. We've been blessed. But there's something more that's going on here than just some young people getting up and blessing us with what they've shared. We're also witnessing a prophetic demonstration tonight. We sing songs like stepping out on the water. We talk about all those things and where are the miracles? I'm telling you, we are witnessing a miracle today. They tell me that public speaking is one of the most nerve-wracking things for a man or woman to ever do. Most people would rather jump out of an airplane, true, than do public speaking. This is how high on the agenda public speaking is when it comes to facing your fears. None of these have public speaking experience. I don't know where you came from, Ralph. I, I, I don't know where you came from, but I, but I like it. And I feel like God is trying to speak to us, not just through what they are saying, but through what they did tonight. I know there are people out here in our auditorium tonight that have not been prepared to walk on the water, whatever that looks like for you. And I feel prophetically God is saying, through watching these young ones today, whatever your fear, whatever you're facing, whatever's taking place in your world, be that at school, university, work, or in your home, to be bold, to be strong, and to be courageous, and to face your fears, because with God, you can. And I believe these four angels were sent to us tonight to put courage in us and strengthen us to face whatever it is that we need to face. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.